How do you implement IPAs effectively in your classroom? Today's episode is a leveling up episode where I coach Judy, a German teacher in Illinois. Implementing IPAs effectively is the area where she wants to level up her teaching practice. So let's start the conversation. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. And I'm going to say guten tag also today because this is a leveling up coaching episode where I'll be doing some interactive instructional coaching with a language teacher. And joining me today is Judy, who is a German teacher, and she's actually from Germany. And she is in Illinois in the U.S. right now. And I am so appreciative of having Judy here who is a, a teacher who I am already going to say is an incredible teacher simply by the fact that she wants to talk about her teaching and find ways to improve on it and always be striving to do better. So, willkommen. Did I say that right? Willkommen. Willkommen. Yeah, danke schön. Willkommen. <laughs> it is so wonderful to have you here. Uh, let's dive right in to talking about your teaching and just a little bit more context. You're sort of in a transition point with your teaching career. What have you been doing for the last, you know, eight years or so? And what is this new position you'll be taking on? Um, about eight years ago, I was asked to teach for homeschoolers German. That was my first time. And from there, it evolved to teaching uh, preschool or younger. My youngest one of six months was Music Lingua which is a curriculum with hash French and Spanish and German. And I teach the German and I've been teaching and community education and different kind of school as an elective German teacher, all ages, all abilities. I have been accepting a job as, as a high school teacher for level one, two, and three. So that's going to be a little bit of a different structure for you. And so what is the area that you would like to focus on today to, to look at your teaching? Um, I would like to learn more about implementing the IPAs. I've been reading about it, and it sounds really interesting um, to change this classroom. I have to become more proficiency-based. So mm -hmm. how do I set it up from the start? And if I just ask you about that word proficiency, it's a word we use a lot. What's your understanding of proficiency? You say you're having a classroom that's proficiency based. What does that mean to you? For me, it's when I come in a classroom and they've been with me for four years that they can go into a country and be able to communicate what they need in a country. My own children have been in a classroom for four years and they went over to the country and they were not able to ask simple questions. So I want them to be able mm -hmm. to communicate with me and to with other German speakers in our community. Yeah. So it's this idea of authentic communication and it's not just learn the language, but a language that they can actually use uh, in their lives and not just know about the language, but exactly. do something with the language. <laughs> 
That's always the the simple definition I like to think of of the word proficiency is it's what you do with the language, not what you know about the language. Exactly. You might know if it's masculine, feminine, or neuter, but if you can't use it to communicate, then that's not proficiency. Exactly. (laughs) If we look in specifically at IPAs and taking this on, now you've read some, uh, some books about IPAs. I see that you've been reading Common Ground by Florencia Henshaw and Maris Hawkins. Uh, who were on the podcast last year. And there's a, there's some great chapters in there about uh, creating IPAs. And what is your understanding of what an IPA is? What does it look like? And what's the purpose of it that you've been reading about? Um, so far, I, I learned about the three modes of the interpersonal, mm-hmm. um, presentational, what is the other mode? <laughs> um, comprehensible. Like yeah, you have uh, it's the in- the interpretive interpretive, so that you're able to yeah. uh, understand uh, whatever resource I give to them, and that they're able to communicate with me or with anybody about it, and that they're able to present something about it. And um, I think this really will show us how much they have learned and what we have been doing. Um, but I think it's really hard to find authentic resources in the first place in German in America. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's one of the challenges of an IPA is when you have it based on an authentic resource uh, that it's how can you find those? And we can we'll talk a little bit when I get to some suggestions about where to get some of those authentic resources. When we're looking at using an IPA and what you've learned about them, they come down to having several parts to it. It's not a legacy traditional assessment where it's just pen to paper, pencil to paper, writing something. It has multiple components to it. So you mentioned the modes. So we have the interpersonal where it's interpersonal speaking that's spontaneous. Then there's an interpretive piece, whether that's reading or listening. Then we have the presentational, which could be presentational speaking, which is prepared speaking, or writing. Whenever we talk about writing, that's presentational as well. So you have five possible parts of an IPA, right? Because you could have interpersonal, then you could have interpretive reading and listening, and then you can have presentational prepared speaking or presentational writing. And because it can have those five parts in there, that's where it starts to sound really overwhelming, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the, how, how am I going to do it all? And how can I try this? How can I try this? So understanding that that's what it is, you know, and I have, uh, I'm going to give you some, uh, some, some tips and suggestions for working with that. But in terms of creating an IPA, what do you think would be the most challenging part of doing that for students or creating that? For me, finding the authentic resource, which is not me, Mm because I am authentic. (laughs) And then the time, I think, is also, because I think it's just more time-consuming than just writing a Mm -hmm. test, fitting all the components together, like, like how often should I do it? Should I do it together, like all three modes together, or should I do them all separate? Okay, and I'm going to give you some (laughs) suggestions for all of that. And so just to help us frame our goal for what we want to walk away from this discussion with. So if we look at your classroom in March or April of this coming school year, 
you're doing a unit and at the end of that unit, you are going to use an IPA to assess students. The goal is you've used an IPA and what did you learn about your students from that IPA? I, I hope I would learn if how confident they are with the language, what they have been learning in my classroom. Um, mm-hmm. um, are they able to spontaneous use their language? Are they able to understand another text which they have not seen before? Or, you know, any other text type or a song, maybe? Um, I like to work with songs, of course. And then what are they going to do with it? Can they... Mm-hmm. Um, compare to their own, you know, to their own culture, but if mm-hmm. I do something on culture and how can they share it with the presentation? Mm-hmm. What can they themselves write about it? And then like for me to be able to see, can they connect all the dots? That right there, you pretty well articulated a very concrete and achievable goal when it comes to IPAs, where you simply said you want to see what students can do when they read in German. You want to see what they can spontaneously speak about. You want to see if they're able to understand something that they hear, whether it's podcast news, a song, a news report, anything like that. That's what the the goal of it is. So regardless of what's actually in the IPA, in the end, you want it to show you that students are able to communicate in all of the modes like yes. that. That's the goal <laughs> and getting there. Right. So that's what that's what we're going to call. That's what our goal is going to be, is we want to create an assessment that clearly shows that students can communicate in all of the modes. Sounds easier said than done, (laughs) right? (laughs) Absolutely. But let's look at using an IPA. And IPAs do not have to be this large, overwhelming task. They're actually not. It's because when you explain what an IPA is, it takes an entire chapter in a book. Yes. Right? Uh, It takes a long explanation. We, We have this idea of an assessment being 45 minutes to an hour. And then you think, but I have to do that with five sections. And does that mean it's going to take three days to do it, right? (laughs) Yeah. So let's break down, let's break down an IPA and and we're going to start anytime we're doing a unit, we want to start with the assessment. That's what backwards planning is all about, right? So we want to start with the assessment, the IPA, and then plan backwards from there. Essentially, an IPA should be based on an authentic resource. That's the ideal. But I would say if you can't locate an authentic resource and you can use other resources to help students to show you what they can do in all the modes, then don't not do an IPA because of the authentic resource. I would say, though, that if you are maybe in some Facebook groups or if you're on Twitter or now it's called X, that you can reach out and ask what other teachers are doing. They will supply you with retweets <laughs> okay. and and lots of uh, that's a great use of social media is because teachers are so very generous. Language teachers are very generous, particularly on social media, because they know that everyone's always looking for authentic resources. Now, I also think that if we open up our view of what an actual authentic resource is, you will see that there are lots of possibilities that maybe 
we haven't considered. So for example, when I'm traveling, I take pictures of anything that has even one word on it. So I was just in Mexico City. Every sign that was about parking... I was in uh, in Quebec in Canada, and there were signs all over the place uh, about uh, different types of stores and what they sell. I don't know what I'm going to use them <laughs> for, but I just took all of those pictures. Those are authentic resources because they weren't meant for language learning. An authentic resource does not have to be a huge amount of text for students to read. That's what we often think of. It can simply be a sign advertising something. And it has four words on it. It says, you know, the 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 movies are at four and seven o'clock and it has the title of the movie, you know, and it's in German. And then you use that as the authentic resource because then students engage with it. You know, they look at, uh, oh, what's the, I'm going to use, maybe it's a movie theater. <laughs> oh, what's the address of the movie theater? You know, what region of Germany is that in? What could you say about, like, maybe you look into that region? Or is the film a comedy? And then you can look into what does comedy mean in Germany as opposed to the United States? <laughs> Do people find the same things funny? Is it different? You know, so like something like that that's in the target language could be an authentic resource. It doesn't have to be some huge elaborate piece of anything. You know, I often take pictures of a sign for a doctor's office where it'll have the hours that they're open because students at a novice level can engage with that and they can see the kind of doctor it is. And it would say Mm -hmm. like, would you go to this doctor? Oh, why would you go to this doctor? Because it'll say what kind of doctor they are. Like, oh, I wouldn't go to that kind of doctor because I'm not sick with this. But if I were, what time could you go? You know, and then you can actually form an entire IPA around an authentic document that's just the picture outside of a doctor's office, you know, so just looking more broadly at what an authentic resource can be. And I would say that you could probably look at your own photos, (laughs) like look at your own photos, like the last time you were in Germany, or if you have family and friends in Germany, and you just ask them, can you go out for an hour and just take 20 pictures of anything with words on it? Okay, don't look for anything specific, and then have them send it to you. And then you can you can start to use that. I mean, you can Google search these things as well. The idea of authentic resource does not have to be some amazing published work. Okay, you know, it's it just means it was made for people live in Germany and need to know if they can park there or not. <laughs> you know, it's like that. That's what makes it authentic. You know, okay. so that's the first part when we're looking at um, authentic resources. So does that does that make it a little more manageable in terms of looking yeah, at authentic like resources? Right now I was trying to find people who introduce themselves, but you know, authentically instead of going to my teaching materials where it's a practice uh, dialogue the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to find something like this. I was like, where do I find it? Mm-hmm. So, But maybe I'm looking I'm, I think I overthink things. I make it harder than it mm-hmm. actually is. Like you have everything. friends and family who speak German, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody so. has a cell phone these days. They could do a quick video and text it to you and you have an authentic resource. Okay. Right? That's like there. That's an authentic resource. There's, you could even have your students create the questions 
and you send that one question to three or four of your family members or friends in Germany, and they send you each, you know, a 20 second text back <laughs> answering that question. And then students are able to look at that. And that's a completely authentic document. Okay. They are authentic speakers speaking from a cultural place. And yeah, again, it doesn't have to be this kind of wildly impossible thing to find. And so when we're looking at our designing of an IPA, I would say the first time you're doing it, don't try to do all the parts. So try to do maybe two of the modes okay. just so you can get used to it. Okay. Right. So in your first unit, you'll do maybe an interpersonal where you set something up where you can have a short interpersonal conversation with students while others are doing other parts of the test and maybe do an interpersonal and a listening or a reading kind of figure out how that works. And then the unit after that, you'll do a reading, an interpersonal, and then add on a writing prompt so that you're doing the presentational writing. Then as you go on, then you'll do another, the next unit, you'll have those three modes, and then you'll add on an interpretive listening as well. Each time that you do it, you're figuring out how to do that particular mode. And the other thing is you'll end up with templates. Yes, how it's gonna look, I like templates. Right? <laughs> yeah, so once you have your templates, then the writing prompt is just changing it to be the new unit topic, or you'll end up with maybe four or five writing prompts that you use on your IPAs and you can choose from them. The other thing I will suggest is when you are creating IPAs, you should definitely go to ChatGPT because it can help you a lot with your prompts. Because you can say, I would like to do an IPA for novice high German. It, the topic is family. What are five sections of this integrated performance assessment? And it will tell you what you could do. And then you can actually ask it, what would be a good authentic resource here? And it would give you a list really? of five possible authentic resources. I'm, I'm being totally serious. You know, uh, that's how you can use ChatGPT. You have to you have to look at it and make sure that it's going to be something that's useful for you for sure. But ChatGPT or any AI tools can help you in this area. Okay, I I, I tried it once. I tried once. Sent me I think it was AI, and I'm like sent me a dialogue, uh -huh. and they wrote down a dialogue. So is it just yeah, ChatGPT? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's lots and lots of matter? AI tools out there. But start start with ChatGPT okay. and simply say, can you create an integrated performance assessment? I wouldn't say IPA. It, it doesn't <laughs> always understand what that is. Uh, but if you say an integrated performance assessment, the proficiency level and the topic, it will give you the five possible parts of the IPA for all of the modes that. and the submodes. And you'll look at that and maybe it's not exactly what you would like, but it's going to give you some ideas, ideas. Mm -hmm. you know, that, oh, I hadn't thought about it. Oh, that's a good writing prompt. That's a good authentic writing prompt. So definitely leverage ChatGPT and open up the idea of what the, the authentic resources can possibly be. Always start your backwards planning by creating the assessment first so that everything that you plan throughout the unit is always going towards that goal 
that we said at the beginning that will this activity and this focus lead to students being able to show me what they can understand, lead okay. to students being able to spontaneously speak, you know, yes. and, and going yes. from there. So those are some suggestions about the authentic documents. Use ChatGPT and start with one or two sections of an IPA. When I personally do IPAs, I rarely do all five possible sections. I usually do three, maybe four. Okay. I usually have an interpersonal, a writing, a listening. Sometimes there's a reading. Sometimes there's a listening. It depends on the unit. If there was a, if it was a very reading-focused unit, then that's going to be the interpretive part. I'm not going to do a listening just to do it, you know? So you also want to make sure that students are prepared for right. it. So don't feel like you have to do yeah. every Yeah, I section. don't want them to fail, but I want them to be, um, yeah. you know, putting yeah. their mind thoughts or two. But so you normally do this after each unit. So like one group right. I started with family. So after we're done with that, I would give some of the IPA uh, just, a few modes of that, not all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then um, yeah. grading is then the hardest part, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that, that was in sort of looking at like your action plan. So if we move forward, yes. I, like, I always like to look at this week and then ongoing. And so for this week, I would say find three authentic documents that are not exactly what you were thinking before, what it had to be, but it's something that's simpler, you know, just to... So do it this week so that you can actually feel like, oh, this is achievable. This is easy. I can find an authentic document. I can look at my own photos. I can ask a friend to take a picture who's in Germany or something like that. So just to show yourself that you can get your hands on the authentic resources. And then in the coming weeks, to start with maybe two sections of the IPA on your first unit and then add on as you go. And then having a rubric to then assess each part of the IPA. Okay. And that's something that you might be able to look at colleagues who might have those. I got some from you, I believe. I think there was yeah. some saying um, <laughs> what you created. Yeah. So previous teacher left some. She did a few speaking assignments. And I've been, you know, looking around at different templates. As I had mentioned, I'm going to send you all of these notes and suggestions in your action plan. And I will make sure that I have links to some resources like rubrics to make sure that if you go back and listen to the episode from last year, it was all about rubrics with Becky Bray Rankin it was incredible. So I'm going to put that link in there awesome. so you can go back and listen to that. And also there was an episode with um, Ursula in New Hampshire, and she talked all about competency-based grading, which yes. goes well with the, the rubric, you know, because an IPA is essentially competency-based grading. So yes. I think listening to those along with the resources will be helpful. Awesome. Awesome. That okay. Helps. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> Take it down a little you, bit. You, yeah, you're feeling a little a little more comfortable taking on these IPAs and a little less overwhelmed, hopefully. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, that, excellent. That was awesome. Okay, it was a, a pleasure meeting with you, and I'm going to reach out to you in a couple of months, awesome. and we can follow up and see how things are going, and maybe Maybe have another conversation okay. but always reach out and we can continue the conversation okay yeah, thank you, thank so, you much. so much bye what insights or inspiration did you take away from that coaching session 
If you want to dive deeper into your own teaching practice, consider joining me for a leveling up episode. Just click the link in the show notes and we can set it up. You'll also see a link while you're there for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, wlclassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom.